Margarita. We are continuing our short series in May on the Organic Kingdom, Stories from the Renewed Life. And basically, we're going through some of the parables that Jesus told that have to do with farming or agriculture. Um, seems like an appropriate time in spring and post-resurrection to talk about uh, gardening, to talk about agriculture, to talk about plants and life, and, uh, and how things pop up from after post-winter, when everything is dormant, when everything is dead and dark, and there's no foliage, no leaves, no green, uh, to where things are blossoming, flowers are blossoming, uh, things are turning green. And this is, uh, that, well, it's needing to connect. Uh, but that's a picture of uh, the trellis that I uh, built in our garden out here in the church. And uh, it's supposed to be for a pumpkin. And in our garden, we have different plots, but uh, it's no longer my rookie season, as John would say. It's my second year of gardening, and so I'm starting to expand my repertoire. And being a kind of, I like to try things and take risks and just go big or go home, you know, I decided to look up uh, how to save space for pumpkins, because I want to have, a, ultimately, someday I want to have a whole pumpkin patch at our church, and, uh, and, and so during Halloween, the kids can come and just, you know, glean from the land, take pumpkins, and we'll have, like, the renew pumpkin patch, right, and do A-rides and all of that stuff, so maybe that's wishful thinking, maybe that's too big of thinking, but that's what's in my head as I'm planting all these pumpkins, but I realize that I don't have a lot of space, like, you just have a plot, and people tell me that pumpkins just grow out of control, right, they're part of they grow in a vine, and the vines just like keep going and keep going and go crazy. And so I began to Google and YouTube how to save space, how to save space uh, with pumpkins and, and stuff like that when you have limited space in your garden. So then up pops up, you know, all these videos on vertical trellising. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Vertical trellising, right? If you don't have space, just go up, right? And so, looking at vertical, vertical trellising, and you know, there's all these pictures. You go on Pinterest and see pictures of trellises and and how you know pumpkins are heavy, so you need like maybe like cattle panels, which is strong like steel. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do it. So that's what I built. I built that, but I don't think it's gonna be enough because I planted. I have like three pumpkin plants like side by side by side, and they're kind of already. It looks like they're gonna. Go pretty good. So um, my hope is to like build as I go along, right? Kind of like Minecraft, or kind of like you know, just build the trellis. If a pumpkin goes out that way, I'm just gonna build railroad tracks, like tracks, <laughs> you know, and just expand my realm. And uh, hopefully, I don't disturb the rights of the other gardeners in the garden. Um, <laughs> I'm all in Robin's garden. The attack of Pastor Sims Vines. Um, so it's not my rookie year, and I'm understanding how to deal with plants better and how to deal with these vines better. Because I'm growing zucchini, pumpkins, and peas, right? And peas you have to trellis as well because I hear they can grow up, you know, grow up. And, you know, I'm looking up all like hacks for trellises, like you can use. Bicycle wheels, spokes, you can like use old ladders, you can take, I don't know, just 
take anything. You can take your child, bless them, <laughs> maybe they'll grow up in the shape of your child. All of those things. And so I'm always looking at Goodwill, going to Goodwill or garage sales or if there's something on the side of the road that's like someone's throwing out it's a piece of junk. I pull over, oh, I can use these TV antenna or I can use this. And my wife's like, it's just collecting in our storage. Like, stop it, stop it. I'm like, Travis, Travis, Travis. Um, but gardening, I found, you have to think a lot about space and airflow and light and food, all for the end goal. The end game is fruit, right? The end game is like, ultimately, vegetables will come out. Ultimately, fruit will come out. And then you can feed people or you can eat of it. And that's like, oh, that's the ultimate satisfaction. Satisfaction for the gardener. Um, you may say it's it's the uh, journey itself, the gardening in the sunlight and relaxing and you know taking time. But for me, it's product. It's fruit, <laughs> very goal oriented life. But space and airflow and light. And I'm learning a lot. I've been looking up a lot about pruning because, especially like zucchini and stuff, like it get, it grows crazy. And, you know, a lot of foliage just grows up and has a hard time, you know, getting air underneath. And sometimes the stuff underneath gets over moist and there's not sunlight getting to it. So it can collect, you know, some sort of diseases and, and stuff like that. And so it's good to cut them back, cut the under, under leaves. So there's more airflow underneath. And so there's this one guy in the video said, you cut these and you'll get more fruit. You'll get and healthy fruit. And and if you, you know, some, some vegetables, if you cut them like green onions, for instance, you, you chop them and they grow back. So you can have more and more. It's like cut and grow, right? Or lettuce, you cut the lettuce, it'll grow more and more. You cut the spinach, it'll grow more and more. And it's actually good to cut it. And, and looking more uh, at pruning, you know, you cut back, you know, roses, right? You cut back the branches and they grow and flower even better if you know how to do it. Or fruit trees, you prune them, you cut them back, and you know the next season there's even more fruit. I don't. Marion can probably tell you more. I'm just learning. But this idea of pruning and cutting back, intuitively or initially, may feel like, oh, you're taking a step back, right? And uh, can you turn down? Initially, you may feel like you're taking a step back, right? It, it looks like you're making something bare. In fact, there might be leaves on it and like branches growing, but then you're cutting these branches back and you're tossing them to the side. But the hope ultimately is that when there isn't a lot of fruit coming out of certain branches, certain vines, then you cut them so that energy isn't wasted on those vines and then ultimately energy can be redirected um, to new growth um, where fruit can grow up and more fruit can come out. And so this idea is amazing. There's a lot of analogies or metaphors that you can draw from it. There's a lot of things in life that we can draw from it because I think sometimes in the church or in our lives or in Seattle or for happy people like me, we think you're only doing good or only doing well if you're happy, right? If you're comfortable or if things feel good. 
be made strong, to uh, be made to thrive, to be made fruitful, we've got to let go of what's not thriving in our lives, what's not fruitful, what's not relevant to us, and cling to the vine. Let me say that again. To be made strong, to be made into a life that is thriving, to be made fruitful, sometimes we have to let go of what's dead in our lives, what's not thriving, what's sucking energy, life energy from us, but not producing good things, or is not relevant um, to our growth and um, our discipleship, ultimately. And those things need to be cut back. And that's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking to his disciples. And here in John, in the book of John as a whole, and someday we should do a series on this, but Jesus has these I am statements, right? I am the vine here. I am the true vine. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good shepherd. These I am statements. And this is... Uh, another I am statement, I am the true vine coming near the end of his ministry. And he says, I am the true vine. And the listeners listening to Jesus at this time would have recognized this language, would have recognized the imagery of the vine because the Old Testament prophets used the vine imagery all the time. But they would have kind of, they would kind of have mixed reception, right? Because in this, in this kind of metaphor, Jesus is, using it as a positive. He's saying, I am the true vine. In the Old Testament, they would have recognized people who have read the Torah and the prophets, the law and the prophets, would have been like, oh, Israel is the vine. Isaiah talks about it. Other prophets talk about it. Israel is the vine. And oftentimes that metaphor, that story, or that imagery is connected to um, judgment. Right? Israel is the vine vineyard. Israel is the vine, but it has grown wild and crazy. There's no trellis. It's just my hair in the morning, right? Or it says, Israel, you're, you have allowed grapes to grow wild. You have wild grapes. There's no one tending to your vine. There's no one pruning your vine. There's no one guiding and directing it. So that it can thrive, so that it can be fruitful. There's no one pruning and cutting you back when there's energy or there's kind of uh, when you're when you're moving in directions that's not that's not life giving or that's not helpful or disobedient or going away from God. And so they would have heard Jesus talk about I am the true vine and say, wait a second. So Israel's not. I thought Israel was the vine, but now Jesus is saying. I am the true vine. And when we hear vine, we expect, oh, judgment. In the next words, right? God's going to chop us off because we've been disobedient. Chop that branch off. Chop that vine off. But here, Jesus is saying, I am the true vine. And actually, you need to stay connected to me. You need to cling to the center vine in order to have life. Jesus is giving a proclamation of life and hope. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. And this gardener, the father, the good, good father, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. 
while every branch that does bear fruit is pruned so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself and must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. In one sense, this is a hard teaching. None of us wants to get cut off. And some of us, you know, I get a little worried when I was a kid or a teenager reading these types of passages. It's like, oh, if I don't bear fruit, does that mean I'm going to get cut off? I better start producing fruit. I better start making fruit. Whatever that, I define that as. I, I need to be a good Christian. I need to do evangelism and have people come to the faith because of me. I need to give to the church. I need to show up to church. I need to have fruit, 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 fruit. Right? I need to serve and do good things for God and do all of these things. And actually, that's a misreading of the passage. That's the misreading of Jesus' words. He's saying, no branch can bear fruit, right? Unless the branch is connected to me, amen? I'm the source of life. And if you've ever pruned tomatoes last year, I pruned uh, my tomato branches because they go crazy too and I just kind of threw them off to the side to let them just do whatever and they'll turn brown and lose their color and just kind of wither right and the tomatoes if they're disconnected cut off from the vine they'll wither and go gross and like bugs will start decomposing it and you know they become compost and stuff like that a branch on its, not on its own cut off is going to lose life can't keep growing. And that's what Jesus is saying. Of your own will, you cannot bear fruit. And bearing fruit is really important in this passage. Bearing fruit appears six times in these eight verses. So the theme of the passage is bearing fruit. It's not, I don't want you to bear fruit. Actually, the point of following Jesus, the point of being a Christian, the point of being a disciple of Christ is that we would bear fruit. So that's not in question. Like God wants us to bear fruit. Jesus wants us to bear fruit. The question may be, what is fruit, right? How do you define fruit? And that's an important question to answer, right? So, but bearing fruit in of itself as an idea, as a necessity, is important, and that it's it's important in this passage because it appears six times. And then, bearing fruit is inextricably linked to abiding. The word abide happens eight times in this passage as well. So bear fruit, and in order to bear fruit, you need to abide. You need to abide in me as I abide in my Father. You need to abide in the vine. So what does it means to abide. Like, what does abide mean? And if you remember earlier in John, he has that famous passage. I think it's John 13. In my Father's house are what? Are many rooms. Right? And I'm coming. You're going to get to hang out in my Father's dwelling place. Welcome. Come. Because there's many rooms in this place. And that, that word, rooms, is actually connected to the word abide, right? You, you may think of the word abode, right? 
structure is connected to the word abide, right? It means dwelling place. In my Father's house are many dwelling place, places. And the word abide, abide in me and I in you, is actually like make home with me. Like be so connected to me that we're, you're at home when you're with me. Does that make sense? So to abide in God, to abide in Jesus, is to make home with Jesus, to be relationally connected, to be so connected to God that you feel at home. Amen? And I don't know about you, but the times that I feel at home in a place are not when I'm stressed or worried about, oh, are, am I doing, am I being polite? Am I following all the rules? Am I pulling my own weight, right? Am I, do I have to make up for something I did wrong? That's not home, right? That's work, right? When you feel guilty or when you feel shame, that's how we feel when we go to work, right? So why feel that at home? At home, you want to be like, I'm going to kick up my feet, rest it on the table, open the fridge, eat what I want, right? I'm not going to worry about what I produce or what I'm bringing in. I can be myself at home. Right? It's not the doing, 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 or the striving, striving, striving. It's just being at home. And that's what it means to be family, right? And to be when you're with your closest friends, maybe. Your closest friends, I have buddies that I've had since high school. That's a long time ago, right? And we're still friends. And even though we don't see each other all the time, it may be even six months before we really get to sit down and connect, but when we do sit down, it's just like no time has passed. Then we have all the same jokes. We have all the same stories. We all point out each other's bellies and like how we're getting out of shape, right? We all like call each other by the same nicknames from high school. We still tell the embarrassing stories of, you know, our failings with the opposite sex in high school or like the first time we met each other. Right? We still tell all these stories, and it's like no time has passed because there's a familiarity and there's an abidingness, right? A homeness. And the same with family. Be at home with God. Welcome home. Come back home. And as long as you abide, right? As long as you're in this relationship with me, you will bear fruit. But if you're by yourself, if you're disconnected from the vine, you will not bear fruit. Because no branch by itself can bear fruit. I am the branch. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain, if you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I think there is an element of judgment, right, here, which for some of us may be difficult. But if you think about Jesus' words in context, right? If you are cut off, 
If I'm the life, I'm the vine, and you're cut off, you're going to wither and die anyways. And that, that stuff gets burned away by the farmer. And so what he's saying is stay connected to me and you will live. Right? Stay connected to me and you will live. The alternative is you will die. Be connected to me. The other piece that I want to point out is fruit doesn't fruit the existence of fruit isn't there for the fruit itself. Does that make sense? Like a watermelon doesn't eat itself. A watermelon, an uh, orange doesn't eat itself. A grape doesn't like feed off of itself. Fruit benefits whoever eats the fruit, right? From the outside. Does that make sense? Or if the fruit drops and decays, it, it, it feeds the soil ultimately. But the whole point of fruit is that it gives life, it gives sustenance, it gives sweetness and juice to whoever or whatever would come along and eat that fruit. And I think that's what it means to bear fruit in the kingdom of heaven. That's what it means to be a part of the organic kingdom. As disciples of Christ, ultimately, when we are given life in Christ, that life will feed other people. Amen? That life will become love to other people, life for other people, sweet juiciness as they snack upon you. Right? You will become um, sustenance for others on behalf of others to the glory of God. That's, that's the verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So like I said, grapevines were common in Palestine. Jesus' hearers would have understood the metaphor, but it would have given them mixed feelings. Because in the Old Testament prophets, Israel was a vineyard and they, it always spoke of imminent and pruning, right, we're, we don't often think about cutting things, right, from our life or pruning. Pruning is not a positive image, right? Raise your hand if you want things cut off from you, from your body, from your life. Right? It doesn't sound like a pleasant thing. Suffering, like pain does not sound like it's like a pleasant thing. Having something taken away doesn't sound like a pleasant thing. For someone like me who always likes to be a starter in life, like put me in the game, coach, being benched does not feel pleasant. Does that make sense? And there are many times in my life where I feel that God has pruned me by benching me of being in ministry and doing the ministry that I want to and thriving in that ministry, right? In the way I want to, at the time I want to, in the position that I want. Of course, that's natural, right? The natural progression of every person is to go up a ladder, right? To be promoted, to go up one level, one level, one level. But what happens when God puts you on the bench and that happens I don't know how many times Almost every transition in leadership and ministry for me, God's been like, not yet. Right? 
Oh, you sit on the bench. Oh, I'll let your peers go first. And your peers kind of advance. And you, I'm going to hold you down. Maybe this is my own narcissistic like interpretation of my life, right? But I think, yes, like being pruned back and, the, and uh, my ambition, right? And my like, I can do this. I have a right to do this. God has used cutting that back in order to refine me, right? Because I think in the transition, the next season, it has proved those places that were cut and pushed back have been the very places that actually began to grow fruit and be way more fruitful than I would have been if that hadn't happened in the first place. Are you with me, church? I'm not saying that uh, everything bad that happens to people or suffering or natural disasters, oh, God did that to shape you and form you. That, if we thought that, that would be very dangerous territory. But I think as disciples of Jesus Christ, we have to know that we have a good gardener in charge of our lives that is wanting to shape you, that is wanting to grow you, wants you to thrive and sometimes to be made strong to be made to thrive to be made fruitful we have to let go of the things that aren't thriving we have to have the things that are hurtful hurting us that are like taking us down be cut right and in that cutting it may feel vulnerable it may feel that you're naked. It may feel actually painful. Like, ah, oh, I don't want to let that go. But ultimately, in the hands of the great pruner, he's got these shears, like they're precise. Right? And he's clipping you. But it's like a surgeon, a master gardener. Right? He knows what he's doing. And you may be like, you may look like a rose bush that had all its like, branches cut off and you just like, not very glorious, <laughs> not very, it's really bare, really naked, doesn't look like much, right? But the next season, wow, look at that bloom. Look at the life, the renewed life, the renewed energy. To the glory of God. Jesus is the true vine. Cling to the vine and gain new life. If you're lost in your life right now, if you don't have direction, if you're like, I'm kind of growing, but not, no fruit, I'm not experiencing fruit, or there's kind of, I just kind of feel like my life's a dead end. Or you may, be, you may feel like you're not in control of your life. Like something outside of you is just like strapping you in. Is <laughs> like putting you on the bench. It's cutting you back. Abide in God. Ask Jesus. Jesus, what do you want from me? Jesus, what are you doing in my life? Jesus, I want to be part of the true vine. Give me life.
in me, bring me something new in the way that only you can do. I give up, I let go. Do something new in my life. And the final point that I want to make is, oftentimes, God is printing us. God is printing you. And it feels like death. And it feels hard, like, ah, how can this be good? And into that, I want to speak encouragement and faith and hope and love that something new is coming. Be open to new possibilities and new life that God has for you. Cling to the vine. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that you're the true vine. And help us to have perspective uh, for what you're doing in our lives. If we don't see fully um, your plan or kind of your strategy or what you're doing, and we don't have vision for your life, help us to lean into you and trust um, that even in times of pain or feeling cut back or pruned back, uh, that you have good in store for us and that you are shaping us for a new life. And I pray that we would be malleable to you submissive, submit to your will as you are uh, guiding us, you're trellising us, you're uh, manipulating us, I guess changing us in, in the right way by cutting us back in order that we may bear fruit. Uh, bear fruit for your glory and for the sake of the kingdom that others may eat and taste the sweetness that is our life.